Welcome to the Queer Spirituality Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Crossenhill. This podcast is about an idea. It's the radical idea that queerness is a gift and that the divine celebrates it rather than merely accepts it. We'll explore the special role that queer people are meant to play in the coming spiritual awakening. Through the lives and stories of queer people, we'll explore the many ways of approaching the divine and how the sacred reveals itself in everyday actions. Most of all, this is a podcast about love. It's about the love of the universe. It's about love between people. And it's about the love a community can share with one another. Thank you for joining me. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Queer Spirituality Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Crossenhill, and with me is a special guest, Charles Harrington. Charles Harrington has been reading, teaching, and loving tarot for 27 years. He is the author of the forthcoming Tarot of the Vampires from Llewellyn Worldwide, as well as the guidebooks to the Murder of Crows Tarot, Ferenc Pinter Tarot, and Tarot V for Lo Scarabar Bayo. His love of the cards and connecting with other readers has manifested in co-hosting podcasts, speaking at conferences, and leading meetups in the San Francisco Bay Area. In his free time, he loves to find new and strange ways to use the cards in pursuit of wisdom, fun, and the occasional free cocktail, what Tarot Reader hasn't. Welcome to the show, Charles. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. Yes, absolutely. Um, we just had Storm on last time. And so it's just, it's really great to get to talk to different people and just really learn about all the different ways that people are finding their own spiritual path and making it kind of their own rather than, you know, so many spiritual paths kind of gatekeep and specifically mm -hmm. try to keep queer people out. So it's really mm -hmm. exciting sort of hearing how people have taken their queerness and incorporated it into their spirituality. So I always like to ask guests first off, what does queer spirituality mean to you? Oh, that is such a good question. And I think for me, queer spirituality is any method or mythology or practice that allows queer people in all their flavors to kind of experience and understand the universe and that is greater yeah. than themselves. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, it totally makes sense to me because I definitely see that. So yeah, great. Um, so you have this Tarot of the Vampire or Vampire Tarot coming out. And I believe it's Tarot of the Vampires. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And and it's next month, right? August 8th. August 8th. Um, will be okay. the, yes. Don't don't scare me like that. I have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I was on the Llewellyn site and it said July. So I was like, so I'm just checking. So, yeah. Um, so great. So why vampires? Why a tarot of the vampires? Tarot of the vampires. I love vampires. I really do. And they are such fascinating creatures. And I think um, there have been a few vampire decks over the years and why they are such an appropriate theme and archetype for a tarot deck is that the vampire is this constantly changing cultural shadow for humanity and it reflects the fears and all of the repressed and un 
undesirable elements of a culture. And just like the, the kind of quick uh, uh, example of that would be, if you think of early 1900s, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the villain is, so for, it's a, the British, you know, public and the villain is, is sorry, the British and American public is the audience and the, the villain is an aristocratic continental European Lord um, bringing literal tainted boxes of soil uh, over to merry old England, um, where he preys upon virtuous women. And that speaks so much to the fears um, of, of that culture, but also their inability to look at the way in which they were oppressive globally and they uh very sexually repressed and that was working itself out in strange ways and so uh in that way dracula became such a potent symbol and the vampire is always reinvented for every culture and just i was excited to watch um the recent film renfield in which uh, nicholas holt plays renfield um dracula's thrall played by the wonderful uh Nicolas Cage, but in that film, the Dracula is our, our our cultural shadow right now of the narcissist. And Renfield is going to a support group for people dealing with narcissists. And it absolutely makes sense to me that to our culture, the great fear um, we have is that of narcissist. But also that's partially because we as a culture have so much narcissism with our, with that get brought on, a, you know, all of our wonderful things about social media. There is this, this aspect we don't want to see. And when you, when there's an, once there's something about yourself, you don't want to see it is placed in shadow and it is hidden away uh, and it has to find a way to work itself out. And that one of those ways is in our horror and our stories about vampires. Wow. Yeah. That's, I, I love how you, how you talked about that because I had read a, a long time ago and, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Aleister Crowley, which a lot of his work was really being overly dramatic to try to sort of shock that Victorian sense sensibility mm-hmm. out of their, out of their comfort zone. And so Dracula in a lot of ways was a metaphor for the repressed sexuality and, so I think it was really interesting then in like what you said about how vampires follow the culture mm-hmm. and sort of when, when I was sort of really coming into my young adulthood shortly, not many years after I'd come out in the, in the late eighties, in the nineties, all of my friends, all of my queer friends were reading Anne Rice mm-hmm. because there's definitely a very strong sort of homoerotic element to the relationship between Louis and uh, Lestat and so it's interesting to sort of think about Anne Rice's vampires as sort of being talking about our sort of repressed um, or internalized homophobia in our culture. Oh, absolutely. Um, Anne Rice, I know, has spoken about an important thing for her in writing the Vampire Chronicles was um, speaking to the ways that young people are told that they're wrong or they're bad and how that tends to manifest in petty crime, drug use, sexuality, uh, sexual exploration, and all of that appears in her books. And uh, vampires have such a fascinating queer 
history that actually predates Dracula. Um, the uh, poems Christabel and Carmilla really dive deeply into specifically um, lesbian sexuality and and as as this horrifying terrifying corrupting influence um that tells you what was on the minds of of people for a long time yeah yeah definitely and i i, I think it's still so prevalent today and I, 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 vampires have been so popular in queer culture for a for a long they time have. for the yeah the vampire is the outsider, absolutely. And I don't know if you've gotten a chance to watch the new Vampire Chronicles on AMC, but they make the queer storyline at the forefront. Oh, nice. I have not gotten a chance to see it. I was very disappointed in the films. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, well, yeah. <laughs> it was, it's okay. Um, for a lot of a long a lot of times queer people are told to sort of we have to accept the subtext and so when people would say that's just as you said queer people were loving Anne Rice and um the implied sexuality homosexuality but you know between Louis and Lestat and that was enough for a long time but I think it's so important for you know that the time is now for for people to see themselves in the culture and so in that show the queer relationship is not implied. It is explicit and it is explored. Um, and it's not something we have to read between the lines. And that is also true of um, so much paranormal romance and uh, vampire fiction today. And um, that is why for my deck, it was really important that we've, we've had so many vampire tarot decks that do a beautiful job of the Carpathian side of of the vampire the victorian the crumbling castles the shrouds and all of that but the vampire story is being told over and over and over uh and it, this deck reflects sort of how modern fiction talks about so much including race and sexuality gender um desire all of that and it's um it was partially inspired by margot adler wonderful pagan author gave a talk at Pantheacon a few years back. Her, her husband had just re had recently passed away. And in the aftermath, she wrote, read, excuse me, over 300 vampire novels in order for her, like as part of her process of thinking about death. And she identified the archetype she refers to as the moral vampire, which a lot of modern vampire fiction, the vampire is the hero or the anti-hero, Think of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Think of True Blood. Think about um, even Twilight. And what she identified is that the vampire as an archetype for us today, the, the moral vampire represents a powerful being that knows that it is dangerous and draining the life from others around them, but wants desperately to be moral. And that's one of the stories that uh, vampire fiction is telling today. Wow. Yeah. So you mentioned paranormal romance and representation, which we're seeing so much more representation of queer stories. I mean, we heard a lot about the episode of The Last of Us that had the, the queer relationship. And what do you think it is that attracts queer people so much to paranormal romance specifically as a, as a category? Because it, it definitely seems like we just gravitate towards that. We absolutely do. I mean, uh, of course, straight people love it too. But um, I think for queer people, 
we see ourselves always as a form of the other. And we we don't have the same access to mainstream storytelling for our love um, that is changing. And we celebrate that that is changing, but you, it's so, uh, so fantasy and science fiction offer these other avenues for exploring how characters can think about gender and sexuality, especially, so in the case of vampires, you have beings who live for hundreds of years. And um, I think a lot of vampire fiction reflects that vampires, the longer they live, they are more open. Um, and I think a lot of vampire fiction touches beautifully on bisexuality as not as a means of exploring the edges of the universe that people haven't had a chance to look at yet. Yeah, yeah, I, that's often a theme. And I know Anne Rice brought that up a lot about sort of the boredom of if you live that long and you're doing the same things you were doing when you yeah. were alive, it kind of gets gets old, right? And so what you're else looking are you going to try? Experience. <laughs> yeah, it's, you're yeah. looking for new experiences, right? Absolutely. So, and I think queer people in a lot of ways are looking for new experiences and mm -hmm. new ways to sort of relate. You mentioned us being the other, which is a, a huge theme for me of just mm -hmm. how we are sort of shadow and also the other. Mm -hmm. And um, that gives us sort of this third like objective point of view like we're sort of outside of the mainstream mm -hmm. society and so i think that's why we're such powerful critics of it mm -hmm. and why i think queer people are so important to healing a lot of the ills of society because we can see them more from our our vantage point as being somewhat outsiders absolutely um, yeah go ahead <laughs> i'm sorry i'm gonna step i was excited. Yeah. so excited um uh, queer people know what it's like to have our love need to happen at night in the shadows out of out of the eyes of um of others and also the dangers that are found there um the 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 the, the predator and prey dynamic the power dynamics that can happen in relationships queer people are have been able to address that because it's been such a an important part of our love and our story for so long. And I think that that, that is why we can see ourselves um, here. Also, vampires tend to have great fashion sense. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, they do. They they do always seem to be very stylish. Um, yeah, I like what you said there about the the power dynamic and, mm -hmm. and, the, and the predator and prey. Because, you know, if you've ever cruised a gay bar in your life, like it, it definitely has that sort of flavor to it. Um, and I, I, it's interesting too, because BDSM and, and the leather scene are so queer focused as well. And it sort of seems to feed into that as well. Absolutely. When, when you're in the other category, it just becomes so much easier to be very open about the other ways that you are. Like if you're, I feel like obviously there's plenty of straight people in, in BDSM, but for them, it has to remain hidden. Whereas if you go to a queer bar and you see people in leather gear, you're not you're not shocked. You don't that doesn't seem out of place because we're already in the alternative uh, world. So if someone you know if someone's come dressed as a dog or <laughs> or whatever else, like that's fine. We can explore that, and I think that is what makes it so easy for us to 
allow ourselves to explore the sort of the underworld, if you will, yeah. the other world. Yeah. Yeah, the other world in all ways, because even in spirituality, it seems like we also are so much more open to things like tarot or witchcraft mm -hmm. or different different practices within spirituality, because we're we're other and we're not trying to fit into mainstream religion or spiritual paths. It really gives us that ability to explore, and I think it explains why so many queer men are drawn towards witchcraft and divination and the occult. Absolutely. I mean, if you go to, if you've ever been to a tarot conference, uh, <laughs> mostly women and the men that are there, like when you meet a, a straight man at a tarot conference, you're like, huh? So are you here with your girlfriend? You know, no, I'm, 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 not, uh, I'm sorry. I, 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 I somewhat mean that um, it's there that we are, we are the other. I also will just say that um, mythically, there is a queerness to the oracle story divination. I'm thinking about Tiresias, the famed seer of Thebes, who went through his their own gender transformations uh, in, in in mythology, and is seen as having access to male and female wisdom. And I will mm -hmm. also just note, and I hope this, I hope this doesn't get me in any trouble, but the when, when it comes to gender and um, iconography and mythology and archetypes in the tarot, the symbol of intuition and exploring the mysteries is the high priestess. And even in decks that play around with gender quite a bit, it's always usually the high priestess as a uh, key to of the major arcana. And there is, I just feel, an inherent femininity to divination that it at least in the modern context, uh, that is present. And I think that's easier for queer men to explore than straight men. Does that make sense? Or does it sound like I'm... No, I, th I think it makes total sense because... So I, I've read tarot for like 32 years and mm -hmm. I've known a lot of, lot of queer tarot readers. And I think that because we don't subscribe to the traditional idea of masculinity which is mm -hmm. very in our current culture is mm -hmm. very left-brained very rational very, very logic rational. driven yeah. and so and divination isn't suited to that you can't you can't successfully read the tarot by by doing it left-brained you can't take the guidebook and assign meanings to the cards and expect to get much out of it you have to dip into that right brain and into that intuition mm -hmm. and and the irrationality that's inherent in psychic abilities. Yes. Yes. And yeah, no, like the idea that I can shuffle this deck and the top seven cards in order explain to uh, what is about to happen and what I might consider doing in that case. That's a, that's a nutty idea. And yet it works. And when we've been told, yeah, it was when, when the mainstream is not the option for us, we, we can explore these other things and we have permission to do that. And we find that it works. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I also think that, you know, as, as a gay man, I find as a tarot reader, my clients seem to be more open and at ease with me. And I don't mm -hmm. know if it's just that people have a hard time talking to straight men about the kinds of things that they'll ask a tarot reader about. Or, you know, because there's definitely like a, 
a level of rapport and trust that mm -hmm. I've noticed happens with gay men who read tarot versus other men that that, that dabble in the tarot. I think yeah. you're addressing one of the most important archetypes of our culture, which is the queer best friend. But yes, <laughs> yes the dishy queer best friend. So not all, but most tarot clients, querents are women. <laughs> and yeah. going to, um, you know, Mary Greer did an amazing exploration of how diviners are depicted in art and she found a number of things and she's written about it on her blog um and divination is usually not peer-to-peer -peer. and even in in so old paintings uh women of like society women you know uh, well-to-do women were often getting readings from a woman of a lower status class or um, race mm. than them a lot of the romani readers and um and poor women um and there's she, she talks about all the symbols of that but um people have plenty of avenues for common sense advice from their friends when they want to know what to do and when you go to a tarot reader you're not just seeking common sense advice you are seeking the, well the mystical and there is an inherent liminal there should be an inherent liminality to that whole experience I am a huge proponent of um, when 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 someone goes for a reading. It's important for I, to, to, tarot readers have worked so hard to be mainstream, and I, I support that. Blah blah, but <laughs> um, to make sure that people know that tarot is safe, but and not a scam. But there's something liminal about should be something liminal about that experience, and queer people having their a foot in another world. Are, yeah. have access to that in in a unique way that is ours and i think really is helpful for someone seeking the information about the other yeah 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 i i definitely there's definitely should be something liminal about going to get a tarot mm -hmm. reading yeah. and i think what i have noticed so i've, I've done a lot of psychic fairs um mm -hmm. and what i have noticed is the people who bring an element of, of the theatric to, yes. to their booth, to what they're wearing, to how they present the readings. Like those are the people that tend to do the best because people gravitate towards that because they have that element of this isn't normal, right? I mean, this mm -hmm. person's dressed like a gypsy mm -hmm. at a psychic fair and, the, you know, and it's sort of different. It's otherworldly. And people, when they're coming for a tarot reading, they're looking for that. They want to know that you've got access to something that they don't have yes, and that you're going to be able to bring them an answer that maybe they would, wouldn't ever arrive at. Absolutely. And you know, queers know about theatrics and we know about costuming and yes. when I read at events, I've got the, we've got the, the accoutrement on the altar, yep. the crystals, the statues, the, all of yep. that. And I'm wearing the garb. And I think that is important. And yeah, um, I think there was a, you know, Tarot has had so many wonderful evolutions and it was very important for tarot for the sort of uh, the psychological side of it to be explored. But the pendulum does swing. And I think at the moment when in the tarot community, it seemed like all we were able to do is or supposed to do is be professional seeming regular people giving good advice um, based on people's reactions to pictures, 
the pendulum swung back and our community became very interested in prediction and systems of that are more inclined towards prediction and getting that mysterious strange part of tarot back and um because that is that is a part of 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 giving this information and having the person be in the right headspace to receive that information yeah definitely i totally agree with that i think too it's interesting that, because that is a trend mm -hmm. because tarot was becoming so mainstream and it was about psychology and archetypes mm -hmm. and collective unconscious and and nothing mystical really is going on here you know mm -hmm. and but queer tarot practitioners were really embracing it as the mystical they were and a lot of a lot of the queer tarot readers i knew were embracing witchcraft and other things and now they're the pendulum has swung and culturally i'm seeing so many people starting to explore witchcraft for the first time getting involved in the tarot and really embracing that and it just it, I think, again, it sort of points the way that that so many times the queer community are the trendsetters as well. We're sort of ahead of the curve and yes. then everyone else kind of catches up to us. I was in a Barnes & Noble just the other day and I remember when I was a teenager in the late 90s, like sneaking out of school and having to go find like the one shelf of witchcraft and tarot books at the Barnes <laughs> & Noble. And now there's an end cap with four or five different um, popular tarot books and decks and also like novena candles with tarot images on them right there, like next to the cash registers at Barnes and Noble. And I'm like, oh, we've arrived. <laughs> and, yeah. and, but to your, to the, what we've been talking about, that's is wonderful, but we must not lose sight of the other world in all of this and to continue to um, make sure that we're tapping into the strange <laughs> <laughs> when we do yeah. this work yeah i'm i'm all about the strange you know and i think i think anyone who knows me really well will say i've been tapped into the strange my whole life um, wonderful <laughs> so we we briefly kind of mentioned earlier we talked about representation particularly mm -hmm. in the media and telling queer stories and and talking about gay love and representing gay love and so i think it's an, an interesting topic along with tarot and divination because often tarot decks don't have a lot of there's not a lot of queer representation mm -hmm. in tarot decks and there have been some attempts there's been some tarot that have been specifically queer and you know to greater or lesser effect there was a little bit of a controversy i last year or two years ago i think it was during the pandemic there was a, a ma divine masculine tarot done on kickstarter and the original sketches for it the men were all nude and then, of course, they like clothed them all in the final product to raise the money. And so they kind of like sanitized it a little bit. And it, it feels a little less. I don't know if it was ever intended to be a queer tarot, but it definitely feels less queer than it did when in the first sketches went out. So, you know, it it's well, as speaking as a diviner, the future looks really bright for uh, for uh, queer representation in divination uh, decks and products. Um so much to go to talk about here, but sort of briefly, interestingly about the um, the divine masculine tarot. There's so many like very explicit uh, queer tarot decks. I'm thinking of um, the Sabbath tarot, as well as the Saint Jinx tarot and oracles. And uh, I of course love when some some of these uh, like with the Saint Jinx in particular. I know that the artist created two versions. 
One is that um, for uh, with with full nudes and explicit imagery, and one is like barely a little bit of fabric on some of the figures. And I will say, um, I love reading with both versions of the deck, but there are uh, ways in which some some of those throbbing body parts can be a little distracting <laughs> in a reading. <laughs> Which is the point sometimes. Sometimes that's what you're looking yeah. for. You light the candles, you turn a few cards over and uh, we look within. But um, I think there's a place for, what's funny, um, there's a, there, there's, there, uh, what I want to live in is a world where there's a place for sexually explicit queer decks and also maybe more mainstream queer decks that you can use to read for your aunt, <laughs> you know, if she has a question yeah. or your friends at school. So I like, I like that we're getting both. Um, uh, there was recently, I don't know how useful this is. There was recently a, a, a Kickstarter tarot deck that was just uh, gay male porn performers. And I remember looking through it and be like, but where's the, where's any of the divination? It's just, it's just the body. So that, that's the pendulum has gone maybe uh, too far. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see. Okay. But no, just take, take a step back. Um, it's okay. One thing I will just notice it's tricky for tarot for any, tarot, you get a, a, an image with a particular uh, a scene happening. And a lot of storytelling that you want to have happen might need to take place across several cards. So it's sometimes hard to tell queer stories. And um, there's an element of, with tarot decks, if you want to be able to look at it and have an ambiguity. So that we can, you know, you can you can find a queer storyline for every member of the Rider Waite Smith Tarot, uh, including yes. the lovers, um, and th so that's always going to have to be there. And, and you cannot convince me that the Rider Waite uh, Smith Page of Pentacles is a heterosexual. I refuse. I refuse to believe it. But um, <laughs> but at the same time, you also want we, we talked about earlier. Just with fiction, we don't always have to read between the lines. And I'm so proud of the ways that tarot creators have been leading the charge with making these changes. And I'm seeing, uh, you know, so many images, so many decks come out where, so many, several decks come out where the two of cups is two men. Um, and the, 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 uh, I can't remember if it's the mythical tarot or it's where it's the uh, Gilgamesh and Inkadu are the two of cups. Kind of touching on that iconic mythical story. Um, and I know in Barbara Moore's, uh, good fortune tarot that's coming up i think she's shown the public this but uh that they're, 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 the two cups in that deck might have two men as well so it, it can be challenging but um it's important to when when we when we when it's right for the deck to tell these stories and for example tarot of the vampires a project i'm very close to obviously uh for the artist craig marr who's amazing and i i think it was really important that people be able to find themselves in our deck. And uh, this came up in interesting ways, ways, unexpected ways uh, for me. The I wrote uh, the uh, a scene for the Two of Swords where it was this vampire huntress character. And I sort of described her and I maybe gave some image suggestions. And the, um, the image that Craig created, I looked at this person and I thought, this person is non-binary. They are not presenting our, they're, they're existing at this amazing place between male and female and that also felt very right from a divination perspective for the two of swords 
sort of yeah. the place between these things. And I did, I wanted to make sure that that was a sensitive thing. Um, something that a story that would, would, would be appreciated by non-binary people that, um, cause sometimes I know the two of swords can also be seen as just indecision, but um, I got to go ahead. And so in the text, um, this wasn't planned, obviously, when it, when the, when the card was written, but in the text, uh, only they, them pronouns are used. And uh, we featured the character again in the Justice card, the vampire, this vampire hunter character. Um, and that also felt like another great place, mythically, for non-binary people in, in the Justice card, in that point of balance. And I, because I do think that, um, obviously, it's wonderful and appreciated to just say, okay, we've got the two of cups, let's have two men, right? But there's other layers to tarot. And I think that there's other layers to queer spirituality that um, where the queer story is actually a better way of telling that story. It's not just an alternative. It's It yeah. speaks at different levels to that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Um, you know, the justice card is a great place as you mentioned for that. And I think it also speaks to the balance in queer spirituality, because there are people who their spirituality really is, is very like rooted in the body and in sexuality and, you know, physicality, whereas other people almost deny that part. And they're so in, into the spirituality and into meditation and, and denying sort of the physical reality of who they are. And, mm -hmm. and really the, the goal should probably be somewhere in the middle. It's really what we're, what we're really about. And I've always, I've always found in using tarot myself that the tarot is really a wonderful tool for, it sort of shows you where you're out of balance, right? It's always sort of pulling you back towards the middle. And of course I come from a background in occultism um, and with the Kabbalah, everything is about, you know, the Kabbalah is the tree of life is very symmetrical with the, with the sphere of the Taparath or six, the, the Buddha or Christ consciousness, the wounded healer being in the middle. And it's all about balancing everything to be in that sort of middle place. And of course the tarot and Kabbalah have a lot of connections. So I, I feel like the tarot is this tool that really like helps us find that middle path that we're looking for that kind of juggles the opposites, you know, in a way that, that moves us through life. Um, you know, just in a, in a more peaceful, more easeful way. Absolutely. And, and I, I, I hundred percent agree. I think that tarot it's probably because it wasn't designed to be a divination tool. It was a, it was a playing card game. I think it's been such a useful tool for us to project different spiritual ideas onto it and use the inherent system to explore other systems. Um, but I also just want to, you mentioned about like the body and the importance of that. I think that um, because tarot is this in intersection, like you've been describing, it can give higher spiritual information about our soul's journey through this life, but yeah. it also can answer questions <laughs> about yeah. what needs to happen, especially love questions. And I think that um, something I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying about this, the, the, the sort of return to prediction is, there was a trend where for a while where if you go to a, a tarot reader and you ask them, um, am I going to be with this guy? Their job, if they were an ethical tarot reader, was to rephrase your question to, oh, what you, what you, what you meant to ask me was, what do I need to know about loving myself so that I can right. be open to relationships? And 
I think that, and I think I, I know that queer people were kind of at the forefront of being like, no, sometimes the question is, will I be with this guy? You know, and uh, I think that tarot images can help us tell these stories and and answer those questions more definitively uh, the way that the person intended not to like tell them about the tetragrammaton, you know, and the, yeah. the, the anyway. Yeah, I, I agree. Like the practicality of it and people, and of course, love and relationships are the thing people want to know about the most. And, and as you were talking about that, it just brought to mind for me, I, I recently watched the Miss um, Cleo documentary and just, oh, yes. you know, it was always about, was somebody cheating? Like all of her commercials were about, is he cheating? Is he seeing someone else? You know, um, and, and, and it was very over the top in those commercials intentionally, obviously, but really those are the real world concerns that people often come to tarot readers for and to dance around the question doesn't really benefit. And it, you know, it's not to say that a tarot reader is always going to be able to definitively say, yeah, he's cheating, but you know, tarot is going to give you some pretty good, some pretty good ideas about where that relationship stands. Cause if you're asking that question, probably you already know the answer. And tarot's <laughs> well, just going to <laughs> I hear you on that. I, I do think that um, I feel like it's important for like, the tarot reader to put aside some of the, you know, and just answer the question as it was asked and not, and, and, and let the tarot help them tell that story. I've had people sit across from me and ask, is he cheating? And like, the answer was no. And there was something else going on. And we kind of uncovered what that other thing was. Uh, and sometimes he was, <laughs> you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And, you know, the, that's what people want to know. That's what people are just trying to make their way through through life and mm -hmm. all of its twists and turns. And that's what they come to tarot readers for. They don't come to us for psychoanalysis. Right. They come to us because they just need to know, what should I do here? And they don't yes. necessarily feel like anyone else can provide them the answer. That yes, they want. they've got the they've got the common sense advice. They've got the the traditional, you know, answer to their question. And now they're talking to us. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're weird. Absolutely. Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're weird. Because we're we weird, to, you know. Because we're weird and we know things. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> it's interesting to me how often in um, fiction I've seen sort of, um, and again, this goes back to that Tiresias uh, archetype, but um, how often the tarot reader in fiction is in in movies and, and things like that is queer in some way or a drag queen or are different things and I was, I was like um there was even a uh the beyonce version of the carmen story as a hip hopera and i was the tarot scene like, like they went with a queer uh african-american tarot reader and i thought like oh okay this is there's just an understanding that we are outside and i also think about um since you mentioned mentioning documentaries, I don't know if you watched Mucho Mucho Amor. I loved it. Loved, loved it. it, right? Walter <laughs> Mercado. What an inspiration. Yeah. I need his like, I mean, yeah. his cape strategy. <laughs> his, his, his cape team was amazing. Right on. But yeah. he kind of existed as this very public, strange figure in a very in a culture that had really strong ideas about gender and representation of gender. And he sort of stood in the middle, in between, and as this sort of powerful, magical being with, yeah. with fabulous capes and fabulous wigs. Uh, I love the capes. I, I need some of those for psychic fairs. I'll sell out my, my, <laughs> my time. Absolutely. Slots. You will. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, 
we've been talking a lot about tarot. And so one thing I'm kind of curious about, what for you is your favorite card in the tarot? Oh my God. So this actually, um, I have the two of wands is my favorite story. Every take a card in the tarot. And I know it's kind of an odd choice. So I'll, I'll explain. The two of wands for me is, and this actually has a, a queer tie-in that you were not aware of when you asked this. Um, the two of wands is sort of the moment when you look at the life that you've created and you have, and you have that, it's all, you've, you've got that figured out and then there's more and there's something else. And to me, the twos are the desire for the suit. So in this case, the two of wands is the desire for the fire element, for the desire of pa- desire for passion and power. And it's that moment, it's that moment of inhalation before we explore it. And um, for, so for the Terror of the Vampires, I had this bizarre idea of having to, to kind of communicate that the twos being the desire, I would show an image in the twos that would be paid off in the tens. And now the, the suits don't card by card tell a story. I know some decks do that. Yeah, the, the suits tell many stories, but the two and the ten are always connected. And in um, the two of wands in my deck is a uh, the the wands. Um, there's always in in some fiction there's the idea that vampires have access to blood magic and they have these powers and 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 abilities uh, that uh, they can uh, um, use. And the the wands in the deck are anks from Egypt, the symbol of eternal life. And in that in that deck, it's a guy on where we're, we're, we're the camera is behind him he's looking he's on, on the top of a skyscraper looking down and he has these outstretched wings and it's the moment before he takes the plunge and it gives me like a feeling in the pit of my stomach when I see that card Craig did an amazing job with that and here's the queer tie-in I promised um the ten of wands we in the Rider Waite Smith tradition is someone carrying a burden back and kind of the, the idea is like you gotta um just got to go a little further to complete this task. And a question that I had as a creator was whether or not the thing that he is carrying back, this vampire is carrying back, is a beautiful male character, a, a, a human male. And I played with that and I wasn't sure. And I thought that was too many mistakes, whether I'm And like it just became like the best story I could tell with that card. And so the, the in the in the Ten of Wands, the sun is rising and the two of um and the uh, the vampire is returning home, hopefully on time, with this uh, man in his arms. And because it's a gay male storyline, is this guy a potential boyfriend? Is he food? Who can say? <laughs> That's up yeah. for the, the, the tarot reader to say. Yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing the deck. To What's check your favorite that out tarot sure. card in the deck? My favorite tarot card has always been the Magus, um, you know, mm-hmm. because I sort of see myself in that and because it is sort of that as above, so below. And, mm-hmm. and it's, and it's about being between, you know, heaven and earth and really like balancing those energies and, and channeling them, you know, like you're channeling that spiritual energy and that physicality, that physical energy of incarnation and you're balancing those in your body in a way to do something otherworldly with it. And Absolutely. so that's why I've always loved that card. So I love yeah. it as well. And one thing I love about the um, that card is that the Marseille tarot, the, um, one of the earlier decks, not the first, but the Marseille tarot, the, the, the juggler is the, you know, like uh, he's not the, the, the mystical occult magician that we have in modern decks. He's the trickster, uh, yeah. con artist, street performer, Montebank kind of character who 
is the showman and it's that same skill and it's, it taps into the same ideas of course like the idea of like yeah. access to all of the skill and precision and balance and and showmanship and i i love that for that yeah. card and i think it feels very queer <laughs> yeah it sounds like a tarot reader right all this showmanship as well as mm -hmm. the skill <laughs> dazzling 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 yes all, all they need is a, a, a tiger and there you have Siegfried and roy right the, yeah <laughs> right perfect away. perfect yeah so um as we sort of wind wind down our time here today what is there anything any like parting wisdom or anything you'd like to share with the audience that we didn't didn't cover yeah, well, I think we've covered it, um, but I want to just explicitly state that queer people have this wonderful gift in that we are liminal within the in in a world that sees most for the most part two genders and one kind of sexuality. We we are this other path, and because of that gift when a person of any stripe needs information that is not available in the mainstream and when they need wisdom or answers that are not available to them in tradition and in the mainstream they will leave behind that sort of center and come to the edges at the the borders of society and that is where they find the witch or the fortune teller and we have a that wonderful gift and also maybe a sacred, I'm going to say the word responsibility to yeah. be that person, that guardian, that oracle at the boundary of this world and the next who can share truths from that other place and bring them into this world. That's beautiful. I really, really appreciate you sharing that because I, it just really resonates really strongly with me. And I think it just, you know, I've always said that being queer, our queerness is is a is a powerful spiritual gift. And you just really described it very, very well there. So your your vampire terror of the vamp or vampire terror is coming out. Terror of the August. vampires. Yeah, terror of the vampires coming out in August from Llewellyn worldwide so people can pre-order that or how they do, how yes they... it's available it's it's available now if you want to the, the places that you normally get your your books you can of course pre-order it at Llewellyn.com they'd love that um but yeah. where wherever you get your books if you and especially if you have a metaphysical bookstore in the world that um the, they are usually very willing to acquire uh, decks that people are looking for. And so that is always very helpful for all tarot readers. Um, and then if anybody who's listening to this uh, would love uh, kind of a sample from the, the Tarot of the Vampires, if you send me a message, my uh, Twitter account is at TarotQuest, T-A-R-O-T-Q-U-E-S-T. If you just send me your question, I can give you a short reading with the images from the Tarot of the Vampires uh, for free. Cool. That's a that's a wonderful and generous offer. And I'm sure lots of people will want to take you up on that. So how do people get in touch with you? You mentioned your Twitter. Are there do you have a website or other links you know, that I'm working on can... that website? But uh Twitter's a good spot right now. <laughs> Reach Twitter, out. I will Twitter. read for you. Okay. Find me in your local great. bar. Probably I'll be there. So Okay, great. Charles Harrington, everyone. And you can reach him on Tarot at or on Twitter at at TarotQuest. And 
Also, we'll link the link to the Terror of the Vampires on Llewellyn's site uh, down below in the description. So go check that out and pre-order it, preferably through your local independent bookstore if you can. So, Charles, thank you so much for being here with me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Of course, Tara is something that that I've loved for many years, so it was really exciting to see someone else is passionate about it. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to get to talk about all of this good stuff with you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Queer Spirituality Podcast. But before I go, I want to tell you about a very special retreat that I'm running this October. It's called the Sacred Ken Samhain, and Samhain is the traditional time in pagan and witchcraft in which we honor our ancestors. And so if you've been looking for an opportunity to get together in queer sacred space over a three-day weekend and honor our queer spirit ancestors, all of those people who have gone before us and made strides for our equality, this is an opportunity that you won't want to miss. The Sacred Ken process is also a process that I've developed involving workshops and exercises to really create a stronger, more tightly knit and supportive, loving community among gay and bi men. This is going to be a fantastic weekend full of deep conversations, rituals, drumming, dancing, bonfires, nature walks, everything that you could possibly want in a queer spiritual retreat. So go check it out. If you go to my website, queerspirituality.net, you'll find it linked right on the homepage. You can get all the details there. There's a payment plan. So if you can't register all at once, you can make payments between now and October. And there's no additional fees or interest to do that. It's something I offer just because I know that sometimes it makes it more manageable for people. Also, for listeners of this podcast, I have a very special offer. If you register with the code PODCAST2023, you will get $50 off of your registration. So that's my gift to my listeners for registering for the Sacred Samhain, Sacred Kin Samhain Weekend Retreat. So go out there, check it out, queerspirituality.net, and register today because spaces are filling up. Hope to see you there. Bright blessings. Find my blog and past episodes of this podcast at www.queerspirituality.net. That's www.queerspirituality.net. Let me know what you think on Instagram at queer underscore spirituality or continue the discussion with like-minded people in the Queer Spirituality Facebook group. You can find it linked from the Queer Spirituality Facebook page or on the homepage of the Queer Spirituality website. Bright blessings.